بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحم نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائی از دا ففٹینتھ آف جولائی ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu and I've reached a point where I've mentioned he's been appointed as the chief Qadi of Kufa and I mentioned that there were two reports both where one one's beard was smelling of wine and Ibn Mas'ud said we cannot go by suspicion and then the second report a man's mouth was smelling of wine and then the command came that the punishment of drinking should be implemented upon him and I explained that in the second case the man had confessed so now the report says that he was lashed 80 times so it's important to highlight that 40 times and 80 times is from the sunnah There's a hadith in Sayyid Muslim, Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, where Ali was asked about this. And he was questioned, is it 40 stripes for the one who's caught taken intoxication, intoxicants, or 80? And Ali radiyallahu said both are from the sunnah. Meaning that Rasulullah established 40, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but later 80 was established by Sayyidina Umar. But then he quickly added, but 40 is more preferred to me. Mm-hmm. So this is important because it highlights the status of the Khilaf al-Rashidin, i.e. that they can do things which are also sanctioned by the Shariat. Mm-hmm. Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu, his compassion for those under his care can also be gauged from the following. Mm-hmm. So this is recorded in Tabarani. Hakim in his Mustadrak, Behaki, Abdul Razak, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Abi Dunya, Hayat al-Sahab, volume 3, page 5 to 9 to 3 of the New English Translation. Abu Majid Hanafi, rahmatullah alayhi, he said, A man once brought his drunk nephew to Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu saying, I found him drunk. So what seems to be quite common is a lot of people were drinking in Kufa. So this uncle brought his nephew to Ibn Mas'ud because I found him drunk. Sayyidina Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud thereupon said, shake him up, then smell his mouth. When the people shook him and then smelt his mouth, they did indeed discover that he smelt of wine. Sayyidina Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud Thereupon had the man imprisoned. When the man was taken out of prison the following day, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu then issued instructions for the end of the whip to be hammered. I flattened and softened so that it may not be too hard on the young man. He then said to the flogger, Do not raise your arm, your hand so high. that your armpit show and give every limb its due right. The man was wearing a cloak and trousers when he was being flogged. So top in the report. So when it was established that the nephew was indeed drunk, 
the uncle had testified and the people testified he was put in prison overnight why because he was drunk <laughs> he's not in his senses so when he sobered up the following day he needed to be now uh, given the stripes <laughs> but what was the instruction Ibn Masood gave to the one who was flogging the end of the whip needs to be flattened and softened meaning don't pierce the skin <laughs> secondly the armpits cannot be shown so when he was being flogged he couldn't show his armpit so he's more like this with the forearm <laughs> the man was wearing a cloak and trousers when he was being flogged Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud thus had the man flogged lightly in this way and set him free <laughs> so in other words the judgment was applied but not in terms of causing him any physical serious physical harm and he was freed thereafter Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said I with reference to the uncle who had brought his nephew by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is a terrible guardian over an orphan neither did he train him well nor did he save him from disgrace Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is indeed most forgiving and loves the forgiving people However, it is improper for a governor not to enforce a corporal punishment when the case is brought before him. So now the report, stopping the report, he's now spoken about the uncle. So don't forget the uncle brought the nephew. And he said, what a terrible guardian. So was he praising him? No. Then he said, neither did he train him, nor did he save him. So first of all, educate him. And if you can't educate him, why have you disgraced him? Because you've done, like we say, a double whammy. Then he said, Allah Ta'ala is the most forgiving. But once you bring it to the governor or to the authority, he has to now apply the punishment. Then he explained, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud the first Muslim whose hand was cut off for theft, was a man from the Ansar who was brought before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa This saddened him so much sallallahu alayhi wa that it appeared as if dust had been thrown over his face. So the first person whose hand was cut when the, through due process after his hand was cut was Rasulullah happy? No. Because he looked really grieved as if dust was thrown over his face. Someone thereupon asked Ya Rasulullah it appears as if this is extremely hard upon you. So they were querying this because this is the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So obviously we missed something. Allah Ta'ala has ordered the thief's hand to be cut after the proof is established. You've applied the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and yet you look like you're sad. So then they said, like we say, you know, what's, what have we missed? The Prophet said, what is there to prevent me from being upset when you people are assisting in shaitan against your brother? Meaning by not forgiving him rather than demanding that he be punished. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is indeed the most forgiving and he loves to forgive. However, it is improper for a ruler not to enforce corporal punishment when the case is brought before him.
So stop in the report. What caused the grief? Rasulullah was saying, Why did you bring him to me? Because Allah Ta'ala would have forgiven him. And look what he said. Now this is what people don't mention about the hudud. The Prophet said, When you people are assisting in shaitan against your brother. Now think about that. By bringing him to the Prophet, who were they helping? Shaitan. How? Because you didn't forgive him, you wanted him to be punished. So what does that tell you about hudud? We're not after people getting stoned to death. We're not after hands being caught. That is the end result. Forgive amongst yourselves. Repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if you bring it, like the Prophet said, to the ruler, it is then improper for him not to enforce the command. Then Rasulullah recited the following verse. In Surah An-Nur, Surah 24, verse 22. They should rather forgive, erase and overlook. Do you not love that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive you? Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most forgiving, the most merciful. Look how beautiful. That is a direct seal of a verse by who? Rasulullah. Can there be any greater seal of any verse? So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? You should erase and forgive and overlook. Mm-hmm. Then he says, Do you not love that Allah Ta'ala forgives you? So what's Allah Ta'ala telling you? If you forgive, erase, overlook, I will forgive you. Indeed, Allah Ta'ala is the most forgiving, the most merciful. So what was the Prophet telling them? You lost the golden opportunity. The man, he committed theft. You could have said, look, ask forgiveness. Don't worry, we won't take it to the authorities. By taking that approach, Allah Ta'ala would have forgiven you. But you brought it to the authorities. So now who related that? That was Ibn Masood narrating that. Why did he narrate this incident? Because of the uncle who brought his nephew. He goes, what a terrible guardian. Neither did you train him, nor did you save him from disgrace. In other words, haven't you learned anything? But I have to apply the command because I'm the chief Qadi. So note, this is such an important report when it comes to hudud. You understand hudud? Now that verse, which is interesting, Surah 24, verse 22, it was actually revealed about which companion? Anybody know? That verse was actually revealed about a sahab. Which companion? No, not Wahshi. Radiallahu. It was revealed about Abu Bakr Siddiq. So why, mashallah, Abu Bakr Siddiq, why was that verse revealed about Abu Bakr Siddiq? Because just prior to it, there was 10 or so verses that were revealed about the innocence of Aisha. She was slandered. She, you know, they said, Audi Billah, she committed adultery. Allah Ta'ala revealed those verses declaring her innocence. There was a man who was a cousin of Abu Bakr. He was a Badri. So he's going to Jannatul Firdaus. His name was Mista. But he was quite destitute. So Abu Bakr, out of his kindness, he would look after him. You know, give him some financial assistance. But when he found out 
that Mr. had contributed towards the slander of his daughter. He goes, by Allah, I'm not going to give him anything. When he said that, Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. He goes, let not those who are graced with, you know, bestowed with grace and amplitude, that they should swear not to forgive. Rather, they should forgive, erase and overlook. Do you not love that Allah Ta'ala forgives you? Indeed, Allah Ta'ala is most forgiving, the most merciful. And then Abu Bakr Siddiq, he goes, I will definitely give him. He completely, you know, broke the oath and he goes, I'm one report in Tasil Bukhari and Muslim that hadith. In Tabarani, Abu Bakr said, uh, he doubled the, he doubled his expenditure. So that was the reason for that revelation. Now what's amazing, that was the reason. And yet now Rasulullah has taken it out of another context. Why? Because the Quran is like this. It's got, you know, multiple meanings. But you need to go through authority. So the Prophet was saying here, don't bring it to the authorities. You know, forgive amongst yourselves. Now also about this verse, another secret. It is also most informative that Abdullah ibn Mubarak from the Salaf, Rahmatullah, he recited this verse, Surah 24, verse 22. He commented, this is the verse in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which gives the most hope. That's what he said. This is the verse in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which gives the most hope. This is in Sayyid Muslim number 7020. What did he mean by that? For who is more gracious than he subhanahu wa ta'ala and would he instruct you with this and leave it out himself? Look at the deep, you know, we should ponder upon the Quran. So Allah Ta'ala says, do you not love that Allah Ta'ala should forgive you? Overlook, forget, forgive and overlook. So Abdullah ibn Mubarak goes, this is the most hopeful verse. Why? Because if he's telling you to do it, do you think he's going to take us to task? He's going to forgive and overlook. So note, this verse should have a very special place in our hearts. And also there's a report in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad Tabarani. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated Sahih in Sahih al-Jami number 6600. Sayyid al-Jabr radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa He who does not show mercy, then no mercy will be shown to him. And he who does not forgive, then will not be forgiven. So what did the Prophet sallallahu say? If you don't show mercy, no mercy will be shown to you. So what does that tell you? By showing mercy, is it a weakness? He says, Astaghfirullah, you fruitcake. How can it be a weakness? I'm showing mercy to myself. He said, I don't get it. You've shown mercy to him. How have you shown mercy to yourself? Because Allah Ta'ala is going to show mercy to me now. If I don't show mercy, no mercy will be shown to me. And if I don't forgive, I won't be forgiven. So when a person goes, please brother, forgive me. You really haven't got a choice, you say, I forgive you, brother. <coughs> but in your heart, you're thinking, I'm only doing that because I want Allah Ta'ala to forgive me. So look how beautiful. That's not a tafsir of this verse. But it actually helps to explain it. Why? Because Allah Subhanahu Wa says in the Quran, forgive and overlook. Do you not love that Allah Ta'ala should forgive you? So the question to pose is, what if I don't forgive and overlook? Then the Prophet explained, you don't show mercy, you will not be shown mercy. You don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Subhanallah. <laughs> So now about the hudud, there's a report. So I'll give you the report. The hadith says from our beloved Messenger Avert the prescribed punishment in case of doubt 
for being mistaken in forgiving is better than being mistaken in punishment. <laughs> this is the hadith. So I'll say it again. What did the Prophet say? He goes, divert, avert the hudud, the prescribed punishment in case of doubt for being mistaken in forgiving is better than being mistaken in punishment. This is in Abu Dawood, Din Madin, number 1459 al So now this hadith is very important. According to Sheikh Albani, referred to Irwa'ul Ghalil, number 2316-2355, he states all these hadith with this wording from Rasulullah, they are all da'if. They are not authentic. Except the following statement from the noble Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. So this he said is authentic. What did he say? Avert flogging or executing the Muslims as much as you can. Avert flogging or executing the Muslims as much as you can. This is in Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf 11-72 to 11-70-72 and his graded Hassan. So now this is important. So why should we be careful here? Because you shouldn't attribute it to the Prophet. If you say the Prophet said, avert the prescribed punishment in case of doubt, for being mistaken in forgiving is better than being mistaken in punishment. Nothing wrong with that. But you shouldn't have said it's from the Prophet because it's not authentic. But what you can say is, but from Ibn Mas'ud, the virtually the same words were said. He said the same in meaning, avert flogging or executing the Muslims as much as you can. So now what does that mean? Those, we should strive to inculcate the divine attribute of Al-Sattar, the concealer. So as for our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala to do the same to us for our countless sins. Subhanallah. One of the great names of our Lord is As-Sattar. The concealer, what's he concealing? He's concealing our failings. So if we conceal the failings of others, Allah Ta'ala will forgive us. So now, look at the word. Even though it's not authentic from the Prophet the meaning is true. Being mistaken in forgiving. So how is that better than being mistaken in punishment? So very simply, if you take a person's hand off, and you were mistaken, can you undo that? But if you made a mistake in forgiving, it's not a big thing. So the meaning also logically makes sense. Because once you start applying the hudud, you can't take it back. So the wisdom here is, try to find a way out to put to avoid the hudud. Because if you make a mistake in forgiving, you made a mistake after all is said and done. It's still better for you than making a mistake after applying the hudud. So why is this important? Because the unbelievers are fond of quoting the verses of hudud. Because do you still believe in stoning to death? Do you still believe in hand being caught? This is 2023. And then because Muslims are so distant from the Quran and Sunnah, they don't know what to say. So our response to that is, we don't want hands to be caught. Far from it. We don't want people to be stoned to death. Because it's in your books. Because yes. But it's not, obviously you're not a Muslim, so we need to explain to you. We are not, in fact, we go an extra mile to stop the hand from being caught. 
to stop a person from being stoned. And if you look at the commands before that takes place, whose hands are going to get caught? How many people got stoned in the time of the Prophet? It were only the ones who confessed. There weren't anybody who we caught him. Well, show me. So it's so difficult to get to that. So it's a, it's all, it's a deterrent. That's the way to look at the hudud. It's a deterrent. Why? Because if it does fall into the slot of the hudud and you have to witness it, that is a powerful deterrent. So note again, very important to highlight this. We're not after hands being caught, people getting stoned. But yes, that is in the books. But to get to that stage is so very difficult. And this is important to highlight. And then you can quote this report to explain this. And look at Ibn Mas'ud. He wasn't happy. He was what a bad you know, caretaker. You didn't educate him, nor did you protect him. So again, note how many of us fall into that category. We don't educate our children and we don't protect them. You know, at least, okay, you haven't educated. Now protect them at least. You can't even do that. Astaghfirullah. After leading the Ummah with untiring love and care for over a decade, the Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Umar was ultimately blessed with martyrdom. Indeed, his martyrdom had a truly devastating impact upon Abdullah ibn Mas'ud So what did he say? In Ibn Sa'd al-Istabaqat, volume 3, page 372, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 605 of the New English Translation, Abu Wa'id, radiyallahu, he said, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu, once came to us and was then given the news of Sayyidina Umar's martyrdom. Somebody brought the news to him because Umar's got martyred, radiyallahu. Subhanallah, I have never seen him weep more or so much than on that day. And I, I have never seen him more dejected. He then said after sobbing his heart out, By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I would have even loved a dog if I knew that Umar loved it. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I am certain that even the thorny trees are distressed by the death of Umar. So let's look at this. Authentic hadith in Ibn Sa'ad and Istabakat. So somebody's brought the tragic news. He's in Kufa. He goes, devastation. This is what's happened. His Amir al-Mu'mineen has been martyred. Look what Abu Wail said. I have never seen him weep so much. So how many times has he wept? He wept over the Quran, wept over Rasulullah's hardships, wept over, you know, so many things. I have never seen him weep so much. In other words, because he couldn't stop crying. And then he says, I never saw him more depressed. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that tell you about Umar? You know, we don't know who he is. We just think, mashallah, gonna for those, mashallah, gonna be chips. Mm-hmm. You don't realize what destruction is taking place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gonna for those, but I'm talking about us. What's gonna happen to us now? Then he said, if he loved a dog, I would have loved it. So what was he telling you there? He was telling you, question him. Which dog was it? Don't you know the hadith of the Prophet? Dogs are bad, kill them. Right? All these black dog is shaitan. They saw quoting hadith and he goes, well, doesn't Umar know that? He goes, if he loved a dog, I loved it. No questions. Meaning I follow him without question. Then he said, I am certain that even the thorny trees were distressed by his martyrdom. So in other words, he was devastated. 
because you don't know what's happened say that umar has been martyred and to add this few details in hakim is mustadrak malik ibn dinar what did he say rahmatullah even the mountains wept upon his death even the mountains wept upon sayyidina umar's martyrdom how did he know that he's from the salaf hasan al basri what did he say rahmatullah in ibn sa'ad al istabaqat 3-372 any household which did not feel his loss is indeed a bad household subhanallah any household which did not feel his loss is indeed a bad household question how many bad households are there <laughs> they don't even know who umar is <coughs> who brother umar who's umar 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 is your grosses no no not him umar you don't even know who he is so forget about feeling grief how can you feel grief about somebody you don't even know then you get other muslims who know a little bit about him and then you ask him you know when umar got martyred how how did you feel and they just you know honestly they just say well you know mashallah you went to paradise What did Hassan al-Basri say? Any household that doesn't feel his loss is a bad household. Meaning you should all know about him. How beautifully were the words of Sayyidina Abu Osama. What did he say? Abu Bakr and Umar were Islam's parents. Those Islam became truly orphaned when they passed away. Subhanallah. Abu Bakr and Umar were Islam's parents. Those Islam became truly orphaned when they passed away. Insaniyat maut ke dar waze par. Page 69. MashaAllah. Those of you who can speak Urdu know what I'm talking about. So what did Abu Osama radiyallahu say? He goes, they were Islam's parents. So when Abu Bakr died, we lost our father. Alhamdulillah, we've got one parent left. Now we're orphans. We've been orphaned for how many years? 1,400 years. Why? Because both the hearing and sight of the deen had now left the world. Didn't the Prophet say that? He goes, the position of Abu Bakr and Umar in this deen is like the eyes and the ears to the head. If you lose your eyesight and hearing, you can't even function. You have to rely upon handouts now. So we become orphans. That's what he, that's an authentic hadith. Why should we not be in that state? For Isma bint Ma ibn Malik radiyallam, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, woe unto you, when Umar radiyallam who passes away, you should also yearn to depart from this world. Woe unto you. This is in Tabrani in Iskabir 17-181. So what did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say? He goes, what's wrong with you? When Omar leaves the world, you should also yearn to leave the world because you don't know what's going to happen after him. So Rasulullah was telling you. How did he know? Allah Ta'ala told him. So Ibn Mas'ud, did he know the hadith? Go back to the report. He wept and he wept. He goes, he's passed before us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with him and forgive us all for his honorable sake. Amen. So all I mentioned today, was basically another beautiful report where the great Ibn Mas'ud applied the hudud. But this time he was so upset over the guardian. And then he mentioned a report in the time of the Prophet explaining why he was showing grief. And then I mentioned that the most hopeful verse according to Abdullah Ibn Mubarak is Surah 24 verse 22. And then I mentioned 
that we are not after stoning and cutting hands and this, that and the other. This is the last resort and that's the hudud and we should try to find excuses. And then I mentioned the great grief that Ibn Masood went through upon losing Sayyidina Umar radiallahu. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi ismanika Allahumma bihamdika ashtu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka wa dhibillahi min shaitan al-jim Subhanallah bihamdi al-bilizzati yamma yasifun As-salamu alayhi wa al-mursaleem Alhamdulillahi rabbil al-adameen Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Wal-asr al-insan al-dafi khusr al-ladhina amulu wa amilu al-sulhan Wal-wasim al-haq wal-wasim al-sabr Salatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullah